Welcome back to Whitgift Conversations, the podcast where we talk to staff and pupils about topics that are relevant to you. In this episode, we're going into the languages department with head of languages at Whitgift, Andrew Hunt. Now, you're going to love this episode. Andy's going to explain to us why he's so passionate about languages, those he loves to teach and those he loves to speak, and also what options there are for the boys to learn at Whitgift. And if you want to learn some Japanese or some Finnish, then stick around to the end of this episode for a mini lesson. That's all coming up now, so come with me as I take you into the world of languages at Whitgift with Andy Hunt. Andy, welcome to this episode of the School Podcast. Thanks for being here. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Had a, a nice busy day as always, interviewing new staff, which has been lots of fun. Good, good, good. Busy days are often good days, aren't they? But, but uh, you know, because nobody likes to be bored. Always good days. But in this episode, we're going to be talking then about languages. But one quick question for you, why languages? What was it that got you into languages in the first place? Oh, that's a difficult one to answer. I suspect it's because I had a really good experience of learning languages at school. By far my favourite subjects. I learned French from year seven and picked up German in year eight and had a, a several really inspirational teachers at school. And my form tutor in the sixth form was the head of languages. So I had my form room was the uh, was our languages lab at school, which was a great form room to have. Um, yeah, so I think that's probably the origin of my love of languages. It's just spread from there. It's not unusual, is it, for someone to end up teaching a subject from which they were enthusiastic about when they were young. And often that comes from having a good teacher. Do you feel like there's a bit of a responsibility on you as a teacher to ensure that you're just as enthusiastic to your pupils and students in school? Yeah, there's a huge responsibility, I think. And that's definitely one of the things that we aim to do. We have had several um, students come back to teach languages at Whitgift, which is... um, yeah, which is a great thing, isn't it? Uh, so I definitely feel like there's a, a fairly big responsibility on us to inspire the next generation. And also, I think even bigger responsibility, I think if you look at something like Brexit, for example, you might you might be able to trace some of that back to poor experiences of learning languages and not, not being enthused at the right time by people. So um, I think we have a really big responsibility to make sure that people engage well with other cultures and part of that is is learning languages at a really high level mm. and enjoying the process mm. now you mentioned i think that you said you were learning uh, french from year seven and then you picked up german in, in year eight um actually this is a question i was going to ask you at the end of this podcast recording but i'm going to ask it now some people think that french is a is a very beautiful language and french and german sorry is a little bit cold do you think that's unfair on the german language do you think it's a do you think it's just as beautiful as any other language Absolutely, I do. And if you look at poetry, for example, you'll find fantastic uh, poems written in German, amazing literature, which if it's if it's read in the right way, sounds just as beautiful as, a, as any French. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's, it's a commonly held belief that some languages are more attractive than others. I guess it depends on your starting point. Um, but for me, no, even the ones that traditionally don't sound romantic like German and Chinese, for example, I think have have poetic qualities and and certainly can sound lovely in the right hands. That's really good to hear. I'm really really glad that you said that. So let's take it into Whitgift then. What are the languages that are on offer at school? So we have a fairly unique system for boys on entry to the school in year seven. They study French or Spanish, so one romance language. They study Japanese or Chinese on top of that, and German or Latin, so that they learn some grammar. So they, they ex, they're exposed to three very different languages uh, in year seven, consciously. Um, and then 
Going into year eight, they choose two of those languages with the hope that they will continue both of those to GCSE, which many of them do, although it's only compulsory at Whitgift to take one modern language GCSE. We also have a very unique offering in year six because we have a small year six at Whitgift. Those boys study Korean alongside a, a tailor-made languages awareness program, which we've written ourselves, which looks at how languages work in general, looks at things like etymology, gives lots of examples of different kinds of languages, looks at things like hieroglyphics and all sorts of exciting stuff. Um, I think it's possibly many a six's favorite subject actually because it's just something so different from 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 what they normally do um and korean is is a quite a quite a fun one for pupils to learn i think because it's it's very different but the writing system is actually although it looks complicated it's actually quite straightforward um and i think pupils get a great deal of satisfaction from learning something that their parents can't interfere with because I think in in year six and year seven often there's a tendency for parents to want to help with homework mm. which is totally understandable but actually um having something like Korean in year six and then Japanese or Chinese in year seven normally parents can't get involved in the same way that they would with say history or maths or French which actually gives the the pupils a, a real sense of independence and achievement something that's theirs Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're absolutely right that a lot of the parents, a lot of the people who are listening to this right now would have studied more European languages when they are at school. Tell me why you've embraced the Far Eastern languages as well as the European. I think, well, European languages all come from the same language family. They're all, they're all, they're all part of Indo-European, the ones that we tend to, to learn in this country, not obviously things like Finnish, but, but, but French, German and Spanish all fundamentally come from the same language family. And French, Spanish and Italian are really very similar. And if you're if you're an English speaker, if you were only to learn French or French and Spanish, for example, you would learn nothing about the way that languages actually work, because you're really just speaking the same language with different words. <laughs> well, it might not feel like that. Um, so to, to, to really understand how languages work, um, it's important to, 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 to try and learn things from other language families, which is why I feel it's very important to, to have a uh, some it doesn't have to be Japanese or Chinese, but certainly something from a different language family in the mix. Yeah. It would be equally it would be equally fun to learn something like Arabic, I think. Um, but but we've we, we've chosen Japanese and Chinese partly from practical reasons at the moment. Although ultimately we would like to introduce uh, Arabic and Russian uh, potentially as new new languages to the school in the not too distant future. So on the one hand, it must be quite difficult deciding which languages should be embraced by the teaching staff and, and the pupils at school. On the other hand, you know, looking at all of the different possibilities, it must be quite an exciting thing to look at them. You know, you mentioned Arabic and, and Russian. Straight away, I'm thinking to myself, you know, Arabic and Russian, they, they, they must be great languages to learn. I mean, how do you kind of control that, almost curb the number of languages that you can offer? Uh, it's really difficult because uh, by nature i would like to i would like us to teach every every conceivable language um but the timetable has its limits uh so we have to make sure that we are doing something which is sustainable so that if if, if a pupil starts in year seven they'll be able to take the language all the way through the school which involves having a, a certain number of teachers who, who who can teach the subject and and being able to recruit new teachers to teach the subject yeah, so there's a lot, lot that goes into thinking about which languages we can do and why. But one of my guiding principles is that I, I would like pupils to be able to, 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 once they start a language in year seven, so not the Korean in year six, but once they start a language in year seven, they, they will be able to do it all the way until, the, until they leave school. So right up to, to year 13, that's very important for mm. them. Mm. Do, do you think that here in the UK we're at, dare I say it, a disadvantage given that most of the world 
or a large percentage of the world tends to speak our language. Therefore, there's less of a necessity for us to learn other languages. Yes. I mean, I think that has led to a lot of complacency, a lot of, a lot of laziness. Mm. And also, it's not, not really isn't, nobody's fault, but um, pu- our pupils are not exposed to foreign languages in the same way that, say, someone in, in Denmark will be exposed to English because a lot of the TV will be in English, the music that people are listening to will be in English. Um, that doesn't really happen quite so much the other way around. There's also not one obvious language for people to learn in the UK. For a long time, it was French. Mm but that certainly isn't the case anymore. Um, so there isn't the infrastructure around language learning that there is in, in say, uh, English teaching in, in Germany, for example. Mm. And also apartments are slightly fractured, which is both a positive and a negative thing. But for me as head of languages, for example, if, if I were just head of English in a, in a German school, all the teachers would be teaching English. It would be a relatively straightforward thing. The timetable would be straightforward. Here, it's, it's much more complex, which is fun. Mm. So as Head of Languages then, tell me a little bit about some of the work that you've been involved in at WITGIFT surrounding languages. So, oh, well, that's a very complicated question. Um, so obviously, as Head of Languages, I, I manage the uh, the heads of the individual languages. So the Head of Japanese, Head of Chinese, Head of French, Head of Spanish, Head of German. I also manage the curriculum. So it, it's me that decides kind of which languages are studied at what stage and helps to promote languages uh, across the school. Um, one of the things that I get heavily involved in is encouraging pupils to study languages at university because we have a very strong record of sending uh, pupils off to university to read languages because roughly half of our boys do a, a language in the sixth form, which is a very high percentage, and then that enables us to send probably 15 to 20 boys off to university to, to pursue languages degrees, which is a really high number, including mm-hmm. Normally, every year, a few to Oxford and Cambridge. Last year, we managed to send four to Oxford and Cambridge. Now, of course, being a boys' school, you know, I'm just thinking about the language provision and, and how large it is at Whitgift, but that's not always the case in boys' schools, is it? No, it's very rare for that to be the case in boys' schools, really. Um, and also in mixed schools, one tends to find that it's girls who achieve more highly in languages than boys because... Um, not because the boys are not capable, but because they feel slightly shy. In, in the nature of the subject is that you kind of have to you have to perform in, in in lots of ways, and and you have to make mistakes to be able to learn and to make progress. And um, and boys in the company of girls are less willing to do that. Also, boys tend to sort of wander towards the subjects like science and economics in 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 a, in a, in a lot of schools' history as well. Whereas here, we've we've. Yeah, we've managed to maintain a very high number of pupils enjoying languages and choosing to take languages mm. further on. So what's going to happen in the future then? I mean, looking to the future of, of languages at Wiggift, what's your vision for what's going to be coming up? So in terms of what we do next, we have the, the system that we have, the, the learning three languages in year seven, is, is very well embedded and pretty successful. Um, so I think we will continue that, although personally what we might do is take latin out of the mix one day this is this is this is not something that's been agreed but this is a kind of a, a, a dream a vision would be to have com- say compulsory latin but not in the mix and replace latin with russian there so that the boys were doing german or russian and then french or spanish and, and japanese or chinese it would also be great to introduce arabic um possibly as an additional language in year nine. Um, it's a very difficult language, so it might be something that we, we looked at for, for boys who really wanted to push themselves as, a, as an additional thing um, in year nine. Um, also, we, we, we have quite extensive provision for native speakers, heritage speakers of languages, because being a South London school, we're extremely diverse in our pupil body, which is fantastic. So I'd say 
the majority of our pupils speak another language at home, probably, of some description or other. And wherever possible, we aim to support them in their, in their learning of those languages and in their accreditation of, of those languages. Um, at the moment, we're, we're supporting about 200 pupils off timetable, so that's at lunchtime and after school, um, with our curricular languages, but also with Russian and Italian to, to, to help them um, really to help them make the link between the spoken language which they're normally fluent in and the written language so that mm. they that they that they can become properly fluent or ambilingual as we would call it mm. but that that's something that we'd like to take even further than we have so far ambilingual that's a word i wasn't expecting to hear when i woke up this morning what does that mean ambilingual is is is, is a kind of it's a it's a posh way of saying bilingual except it also means that you are you are totally totally capable in in two or more languages so whereas bilingual kind of caps caps the number of languages that you speak at two ambilingual implies that yes it's at least two maybe you're fluent in other languages as well so it's a kind of raising expectations ah okay but you're right it's not not as commonly used a word as bilingual oh but, it, but it's a good word I, I like it i'm going to remember this one as well andy um <laughs> now let's, let's just jump back to these three different languages that the that the boys learn i think you said french or spanish chinese or japanese yep. and german or yep. latin uh, do they get Correct. a choice as to which one they learn or can they put in a preference if they don't get a choice so actually we uh, we we managed to do timetabling wizardry so what we what we asked them to do is we, they they choose French or Spanish and Japanese or Chinese, German or Latin, and they rank those decisions in order, one, two, three. So everyone will be given their first two that they've put. So say someone put they wanted to learn Japanese instead of Chinese as number one, they'll definitely have Japanese. If they put Spanish instead of French, they'll definitely have Spanish. And then the third choice, they may not be given. But this year, for example, it's about 90% of people that actually are given all three of the languages that they want to learn, which is which I'm really proud of because in most schools, Actually, in most schools, you probably only would study two languages and you almost certainly wouldn't get the two that you wanted. You'd probably get one, one that you wanted and one that you weren't that keen on, perhaps. So is that a reflection of the fact that you've got quite a few, you know, you, you've got a lot of boys in, in the school, therefore a lot of teaching staff in the school, therefore the, uh, the balance of the economics of numbers of everybody means that it's easier to juggle things around and work it, work it all out so that everybody, well, hopefully everybody gets what they want. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are, in terms of teaching staff, we must be one of the three or four biggest languages departments. If not, we could possibly be the biggest, but we're certainly one of the three or four biggest languages departments in the country, um, which means that we have quite a lot of flexibility. So we can we can pretty much deliver what we want to deliver. And what we want to deliver is people having um, as much choice as possible. Um, also, yeah, you're right. The number of boys in the school helps because because we have eight or nine form intake in year seven. Actually, if you if you do the maths on on our on our on our system, you get it's it's two cubed basically. So you get it, it produces eight possibilities. So there's you've got French, Chinese, Latin. You've got French, Chinese, German. You've got so it's it's two cubed. The maths yeah, did it all on the back of an envelope about ten years ago. So it produces eight options um in years where we have nine form intake we just duplicate the most popular combination which has nearly always been spanish chinese latin that's that nearly always comes out as our top combination oh that's interesting so why spanish chinese and latin then do you know i have i, I, would have, I can only talk anecdotally because I, I i have not done any research as to why that comes out as the top choice maybe i should um i think spanish is popular because it's perceived to be relatively straightforward. 
different from French, which sometimes people have not had a great experience of at primary school or prep school, perhaps. Also, quite a few people go on holiday to Spain. There are, there's all of South America. So it, it's, and it's culturally quite, quite fun and quite interesting, quite vibrant. So that tends to be attractive to people. Chinese comes out more popular than Japanese, I suspect, because China is bigger, more people speak Chinese. The economy is seen as growing, whereas Japan is seen as perhaps slightly, although it's still very strong, slightly going in the other direction. But Japan, Japanese is still very popular, though, because of the all the cultural elements, uh, you know, anime and manga and martial arts and things which, which do attract a lot of pupils in. And then Latin, why is Latin more popular than German? I am not sure. Hmm. That varies. Actually, that's the one that varies slightly more from year to year, whereas Spanish and Chinese nearly always come out on top. Mm-hmm. Some Sometimes German comes out on top. Mm. Andy, tell me about a language that you don't speak at the moment, but you would love to be able to learn it sort of overnight. If you could wake up tomorrow morning and be fluent in a language you're currently not fluent in. Oh, I, I, that's that's so difficult because so I, I've I've been very fortunate. So I did French and German at university and got a scholarship to to a Japanese university to so I speak I speak fluent Japanese. Whitgift has sent me to China to do so. I've done a. I've, I, I spent some time in Chengdu learning Chinese, and also they sent me to India. So so to to, to do a Hindi course, um, which was fantastic as well. And I've had uh, for other reasons over my life, I've learned Finnish and Polish. So new ones, I think. Oh, I think I would go for something like Arabic or Turkish or Persian. I'd like to learn a, a kind of a Middle Eastern language. They're very different languages, to be fair. They're all completely different language families and, and really interesting for different reasons but i think i would i would go for arabic turkish or persian if i could just wake up and speak a new language it would be one of those although i'd also really like to learn sign language at some point and sign language is something that we teach to our year sixes during the languages awareness program and i'm always fascinated to to, to pop into those to those taster sessions gosh uh, so the languages that you do speak then which of those do you enjoy the most would you say i enjoy teaching Japanese the most probably um uh, speaking it would probably be German because I'm I'm really completely completely fluent in German so that's kind of a nice that's a nice feeling mm. um although Finnish is the most interesting grammatically because it's phenomenally difficult <laughs> kind of fun it sounds a bit like I don't know have you ever watched the Moomins <laughs> so, so it's kind of like it's like a fairy tale language it's it's really fun give us an example of something then in Finnish that, that, that sounds fairy tale like uh, <laughs> fantastic what was that i was just saying the reason that i speak a little tiny little bit of finnish is because my i had a partner who was from finland fantastic i love this i, I never thought i'd be learning a little <laughs> bit of finnish uh, on this podcast episode ah well the numbers are fun as well that's something i teach often if i have if i have to do a cover lesson i'm really i'm supposed to give out the work of a maths teacher or something but i much prefer te- teaching the children how to count to 10 in finnish can you just count to 10 for us in finnish right now gosh that sounds beautiful actually it's got <laughs> it's, it's like poetry in itself isn't it yeah it is a very nice language yeah. mm-hmm. andy we need to bring this podcast episode to a close in a minute but i just want to say thank you for being here thanks for giving up your time on a tuesday afternoon to talk to us it's been I mean, it's just incredible to hear about your passion for languages, which is clearly shining through with all of this. How would I say in Japanese, thank you very much for your time? <laughs> just say, you could say, Otsukare sama desu, or Domo arigatou gozaimashita. 
Oh gosh, I'm, I think I might play back the recording and give that a bit of practice before I try it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, Andy, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. Thank you very much. So that was Andy Hunt, Head of Languages at Whitgift, giving us an insight into what happens there in school. Thank you, Andy, for taking the time to talk to us today and for giving us a sneak peek into the languages you love to speak yourself. That's it for this episode. Our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.